0: Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? That's a haunting question. The the location for our thoughts this morning comes at the very end of the paragraph that we read earlier, Um, having given us the account of how the gospel reached the city of Antioch, uh, we read this in the last half of verse 26, and in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians, Christians. You know, that's not the normal New Testament terminology that's used to refer to those who belong to Jesus Christ, uh, the New Testament is more likely to use a word like saints. It's a word that means holy ones set apart for God, by God. It's more likely to use the word like brethren. Brothers and sisters in Christ were part of a great family that God has brought together. It's more likely to use a phrase like those who believed in other words, to signify that our entry into this great family is on the basis of our faith, our belief, our trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Um, Luke's favorite term in the book of Acts actually happens to be the word disciples, that we are those who are students of Jesus Christ. We are learning from him, not just Uh, learning facts, but we are learning of him and from him uh, that we might better serve him and obey him. And uh, so, there's just a lot of different terms that are used in the New Testament, but uh, frankly, Christian is not uh, the predominant New Testament term. Uh, It's only used three times, twice in the book of Acts, once in the first letter that Peter writes. Uh, But other than that, it's it's just sort of a, a, a passing notice that Luke gives us here, he says, well, it was in Antioch. That was the first time uh, they were called Christians. In fact, he says the first time the disciples, his favorite term, were called Christians. Now, understand that what was happening here was this was in Antioch where the gospel had finally crossed the barrier into Greek society, Greek culture, into people with a a, a sort of a Hellenic understanding uh, of of the world. And having crossed in, then those who were looking at this new phenomena in the city of of, uh, Antioch, uh, they were looking at it and say, well, who, who are these people they said, well, they keep talking about some guy. They keep talking about uh, Jesus Christos. Who's this Christos guy? Uh, we, we hear about Christos all the time. These must be Christosians. Actually, the, the, the word there in the Greek is christianoi, uh, which, by the way, Christos is the translation for the Hebrew Messiah, Mashiach, And Christ, Christos, the Hebrew translation, uh, the Greek translation of a Hebrew word gets a Latin ending, "in," and we come up with Christian. So whenever you have the word Christian, you've got the Greek translation of a Hebrew word with a Latin ending. And so don't tell me you don't speak foreign languages. (laughs) But they looked at that and they said, well, these must be Christians. And ever since, we've basically been known among other things, but we've been known as Christians. Now, the word has sort of a a, a varied history to it. Uh, As you probably know, somewhere around 380, 390 A.D., uh, Christianity was declared the official approved religion of the Roman Empire. You know, at that point, the state, the government decided it would be a good thing for you to be a Christian and a bad thing for you to be a pagan. And lo and behold, a bunch of people became Christians. And from that point on, the church has struggled with the fact that it was a cultural, political institution being used by society, and yet it tried and tried to maintain its contact with the reality of Christ and what it ought to be. be, And as a result of that, for the last, oh, 1,600 years or so, uh, we have been uh, struggling with the identification of Christianity with Western civilization. And as a result of that, what happens in Western civilization in history is piled on top of Christians and say, oh, you caused this thing. You have friends who ever say things to you when you're trying to share with them about Christ and they'll say something like, well, what about the Holocaust? What about the Crusades, which is another discussion? You know, what about all the people who have been killed in the name of Jesus? Why, more people have been killed in the name of Jesus than any other name. And that is, by the way, patently false. Just look up the statistics. In point of fact, more people have been killed in the name of atheism and communism than any other fact. Uh, I just give that to you as a debating point. But, uh, you know, it's brought up, and so the word Christian is sort of linked to the ebb and flow uh, the good and the bad of Western civilization. So, that word Christian has has sort of um, a, a acquired a lot of negative baggage to it. But at the same time, the word Christian was robbed of all its meaning because uh, the word Christian just basically came to mean, until recently, it came to mean good person. What are you? Well, I'm a Christian. I'm a good person. Now, that's not the way they say it. They say it I'm basically a good person. You remember that. Okay. So, uh, you know, the, and, and the idea of being a Christian just had to do with being a moral, upright citizen. You wanted to be a Christian because otherwise nobody would come and, 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 and let you fix their muffler. Nobody would come and, 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 and uh, uh, do business with you. You weren't acceptable in the community. The schools weren't on your side and all that kind of thing. But if you were a Christian, that was sort of like the union card that got you in, uh, didn't need a secret handshake, just say, oh, Christian. And, uh, you know, if you ran for public office, you better belong to the First Baptist or the First Methodist Church of County Seat, Georgia, you know, that kind of thing. So the, the word Christian basically lost all of its meaning. And yet the Bible uses that word and says these folks in Antioch were called Christians. And why was that? Well, it wasn't because they said, well, my mama and my papa, they were Christians, and so I must be a Christian too because their mama and their papa weren't Christians. These were, day, you know, brand-new Christians, the first to enter in um, to, to, to the faith. Uh, and, and it's not like they said, well, let's see, I've got this application form, and it says I've got to check one. I know I'm not Muslim. I know I'm not Jewish. I must be Christian. Check that off. So, we know it wasn't a thoughtless thing that led these folks to identify with Christ, and we know it was not a thoughtless thing that others looked at them and said, these folks are Christianoi, these folks are Christians. There was something else that happened. Let me suggest what that might have been. First off, they saw in these new believers folks who had had their lives and were willing to have their lives totally rearranged by Jesus. And you, you remember the first verse we read? It said those folks who, because of the persecution under Stephen, had been driven out of Jerusalem and they scattered all over the world. They scattered to Phoenicia and to Cyprus, and they wound up in Antioch. They hadn't planned that. When they came to Christ, they thought, well, that's nice. I'm I'm a Christian now, but I'll I'll basically stay put in this home. I like my house. I don't plan on moving. I'll just stay here, work my whole life, raise my children, retire, let them take care of me. And, you know, this is what's going to, to happen in my life. But because of their faith in Jesus Christ, their lives were turned upside down. And they were driven out of their homes and they were set about wandering around the the then known world trying to find a place of safety. Their lives were turned upside down and totally rearranged by Jesus Christ. It's one way you know that Jesus is in your life because he'll rearrange things. He won't rearrange them the way you want him to. He'll rearrange them the way God wants them rearranged. And when he gets through with you, you won't look like some beautiful specimen in the eyes of the world. You'll look like a wonderfully beautiful child of God in the eyes of our Heavenly Father but that's going to take a total rearrangement of where we are. You see, the Christian gospel doesn't come to us just to help us do better at what we're doing. The Christian gospel comes to us to take us out of darkness into light, out of death into life, out of the kingdom of unrighteousness into the kingdom of God's own dear Son. So, that's what the gospel does. It totally rearranges your life. And the folks in Antioch saw that going on. And when they said, look, why are you willing to do all this? They Say it's because of Jesus Christos, it's because of Jesus Christ that we want to do these things. These were people who were impressed with Jesus. In fact, they were so impressed with Jesus, they wanted everybody else to be impressed with Jesus as well. As you look at the scripture, you see it says they, they went around and they were traveling around. They spoke only to the Jews, most of them, but some folks. They just thought to themselves, you know, Jesus loves me like crazy, and I bet he loves these people around me like crazy. And it doesn't matter if they're Jew or Gentile. It doesn't matter if they speak my language or they speak Greek or they speak Latin. It doesn't matter. God loves them. He sent his son to die for them, and they need Jesus. And so, they would go up to everybody they met. They wound up talking to Greeks. And they said, do you know about Jesus Christ? this Jesus Christ whom God sent to save us from our sins. And they would hold up the beauty of Christ and the wonder of Christ. They were so impressed with Jesus, they wanted everybody to meet him and fall in love with him too. Now, you can take all the evangelism classes you want, and they'll help a little bit. You can take all the study guides you you, you would like and get all the bracelets you want and all the little four spiritual laws books and all the basic mechanisms and and techniques for sharing Jesus. But here's what it comes down to. Let others see the wonderful beauty of Jesus Christ in you so that they can see him and fall in love with him the way you did. See, the people in Antioch, they saw these Christians, and they were were constantly sharing this Jesus guy and saying, why are you doing this? We love Jesus Christos. We love Jesus Christ. Not only that, these were folks in whom the hand of God was at work. The Scripture says that as they were sharing Jesus, as they were preaching the Lord Jesus, that the hand of God was at work among them, and many were believing, and they were turning to God. It was the hand of God at work in their lives. That's just another way of saying the Holy Spirit was operating in their lives. When Jesus gets a hold of you, the Holy Spirit starts to work in marvelous ways, doing things that you could not do. In fact, doing things you would not do except for the movement of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so, these uh, Antiochian citizens, they, they, they looked at these Christian people. They didn't call them Christians yet, but they looked at them, these believers, and say, why are you doing all this? Why are you having such a response? Why are people coming into the church? Why are people starting to worship the Lord God of Israel, the Father of Jesus Christ? Why are they coming in? And all the folks could say is, it's because of Jesus Christos. It's because of Jesus Christ. These were folks who had a handle on grace. Uh, You remember in the passage, it it says that the folks in in, uh, Jerusalem uh, uh, heard about this thing going on in Antioch. I wonder what uh, the, the apostles thought to themselves. The word comes in, time out, time out. The gospel's being preached to Gentiles, non-Jews, not God-fearing, not people who have some connection with the Jewish tradition. He's just being preached to total Greeks, and they are believing. And I think the disciples may uh, may have looked at each other there in Jerusalem, and they said, there he goes again. He did that in Samaria. He did that with Cornelius. Now he's doing it with these Greeks in, in Antioch. Barnabas. Why don't you go up there and check this thing out? And so Barnabas goes to Antioch, and the Scripture says when he got there, he saw the grace of the Lord. He saw the grace of God operating in their lives. Said he was glad, and he rejoiced. Oh, let me tell you something. This is something the people of Antioch had not seen. They had seen religion. They had seen the idea that to be accepted by God, to have a good life, to have a worthwhile life, you've got to go to the temple, you've got to sacrifice, you've got to uh, pay an homage, you have to uh, fulfill a vow. You had better keep your life in, in accord with the will of the gods, otherwise they're gonna come down and they're gonna zap you. They had seen plenty of religion, but they had never seen grace before. They had never heard of a God who loved sinners. They had never heard of a God who loved broken people. They had never heard of a God who loved humanity so much that he sent his son to die for those who were in rebellion against him. This goes counter to everything they were thinking. But the people of Antioch, they looked at these Christians, they said, wow, we see grace going on. And it's not just for them to, to become church members, but Wow, this grace is going on. They're extending it to one another. Look how they forgive each other. Look how they love one another. Look how they go the extra mile. Look how they're doing all these nutty things. And the only word for that is grace. And they would go up to them and say, why are you doing this? Why are you living by grace? Why are you living with this, this absolutely absurd idea that you're a servant of all? Why are you living this way? And they would say, it's because of Jesus Christos. It's because of Jesus Christ. And as they looked at these believers, they saw folks who were surrounding the Scriptures, they were getting together with a Bible in the middle and a teacher and learning. That's why Barnabas went to Tarsus to find Saul, um, that uh, when uh, Barnabas came to Antioch and he saw these believers, but they had a Greek background. They didn't have an Old Testament background. See, folks coming out of the synagogue, they knew about the promises of God. They knew about the promise of the Messiah. They knew that God was bringing it through His people about a, a great saving work for all creation. They, they, they knew that. They just needed to know who it was, and the Samaritans had a little bit of contact with that, tr- viewed it a little bit differently, but at least they understood the vocabulary. Cornelius of course, was a God-fearer and an alms-giver and a prayer, and, and so he already had some contact with the promise. But these folks in Antioch knew nothing. Believe it or not, there are some people who come to Christ and they know nothing. Oh, I've got to tell you this story. One time, you know, it, it was back in the old building, and after church one Sunday night, a, uh, a deacon or usher came up to me and said, Pastor, there's a, there's a, a girl here. Uh, And and she wants to to talk to you. She wants to become a Christian. So I I went over to her and and sat down there in the sanctuary in in the pews. I said, you you want to be a Christian? Yes, I want to be a Christian. I said, okay, well, here's what the Apostle Paul says. She said, who? I said, well, um, the Christian gospel is that Jesus, Who? She didn't know who Jesus was. She didn't know who the apostle Paul was. She didn't know any book of the Bible. She was as ignorant as anybody you can imagine, but the Spirit of God had placed in her heart she needed to be a believer in Jesus Christ. As best I could, I I explained the plan of salvation to her. Right then and there, she asked Jesus into her heart. She was baptized, attended our church, and when she had to move away, about two weeks later, we got a letter from another church. She has joined our church, and she followed through on that. Folks, I'm amazed at this until I think about the marvelous grace of God. So, I I just want you to know, it's not what you know. It's who's got a hold of you. Uh, in coming into the kingdom, but okay. So Barnabas goes and he's looking at, at at these these new believers, these infant Christians, and they have no understanding of the promises of God. They don't they don't understand how it how it goes and penetrates back into history. They don't understand the promises for the for the future. They they don't have any grounding in that. And Barnabas says, "What a perfect fit!" What an absolutely perfect fit. These people know nothing about the Old Testament. I know a guy who knows almost everything about the Old Testament, and he goes to Tarsus where, where, where Saul is, and he finds Saul, who eventually becomes the Apostle Paul, but he finds Saul, and he says, look, have I got an opportunity for you. You can come someplace where nobody knows anything at all about the Scriptures, and you can tell them about the Word of God. And so Saul went them, and he and Barnabas together for about a year. They were teaching all these folks, a great number of people from the Old Testament, what the Word of God had to say about their lives, about the world around them, about about their their society, what the Word of God said about Jesus, and what the Word of God said about salvation. And the people just, just, I can just imagine, they were just lapping it up, lapping it up. And if you went to them and say, why are you doing all this Bible study? Why is it you you want to know more? Why is it you're you're memorizing Scripture? Why is it you're reading it all the time? They would have said, it's because of Jesus Christos. It's because of Jesus Christ. See, that's the definition of a Christian. And so, the people of Antioch looked at these folks doing all these bizarre things and said, every time we ask them a question, they tell us about Jesus Christ. It must be this Christ guy. We're not sure exactly what it is, but they surely must be Christians. They must be Christians. And we've had that label ever since. It's been problematic for some. In fact, even today, some believers don't want to be called Christians. You want to be called followers of Jesus or followers of the way or believers. I understand. I get that. But there's a reason to love the name Christian because it connects us by name, labels us by name, connects us to Christ, to Christ who before time began inhabited the halls of heaven, where all the glory and all the honor, all the power and authority, all the praise belong to him. It is this Jesus who is the Son of God, who did not think equality with God, something to be grasped, but emptied himself on our behalf. This Jesus from time back in the past deserving all praise, worship, and adoration. This Jesus came to earth for us, born of a virgin, walked among us, loved in a magnificent way that no one could understand. He loved the unlovely. He touched the untouchable. He embraced the ugly. He went about bringing people that no one would love and putting his arms around him and saying, God loves you and I love you and here's how important that is. It'll change your life. This Jesus who walked among us and loved us in a way that no one could describe. It was such a love we had to invent a brand new word, agape, to describe the love of Jesus for us. This Jesus who went to the cross for us, suffered the agony of Gethsemane for us, went to the mockery. Of a trial and a beating for us, carried his cross to Calvary for us, was nailed to a cross for us. Millions of people were crucified, but only the cross of Jesus takes away our sins, and only the cross of Jesus gives us. Gives us life, and only the cross of Jesus brings us out of death into life, out of darkness into life. Only the cross of Jesus, this Jesus they took down, they laid him in a grave, and there in the grave, they rolled a stone across and they thought it was over, they thought it was done, they thought they wouldn't have to deal with him anymore. Three days later, God raised him from the dead. The body that was laid in the tomb is the body that walked out of the tomb, guaranteeing our salvation, guaranteeing our life guaranteeing that all that Jesus had promised is true in him, that resurrection power now ours. This Jesus raised from the dead, ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God our Father, making intercession for us. This Jesus at the right hand of God coming again so that all might see him. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and every knee will bow of things in heaven and things on earth and things underneath the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This Jesus, when we arrive at the gates of glory, we will sing his praises for all eternity. And from now until eternity, we will speak the name of Jesus. This Jesus is Savior. This Jesus is Lord. This Jesus is Christ. And I am proud to be a Christian. Glory to God. Folks, that's the gospel right there. Don't be afraid of the gospel that says you're a Christian. And I'll tell you why it's important. Labels can break you, and labels can make you. you know, just on a psychological level, if you've accepted a, a label that, that, that defined you, and it buried you, and, and, and uh, that, that label is so deep in your subconscious, you can't even find it. But somebody gave you a label, and it said, stupid or it said ugly, or it said fat, or it said incompetent. Somebody put a label there and said worthless. Somebody put a label there and said not worth the effort, not worth the time. Because you were a kid, you swallowed that label, and it's about to kill you. But a label can make you. Because this morning, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior... You're a Christian. You belong to him. And everything around you belongs to him. All the people are giving you grief, all the things that are going wrong in your life, all the challenges, everything that you can't figure out, all those frustrations, every one of them is held in the hollow of his hand, and he is causing every one of them to work together for good because you love him and you've been called according to his purpose. You see, a label can break you, but a label can make you. And I would just pray that you would have the label Christian today. You know, maybe you don't know Christ. I don't know. Maybe you've never come to that point where you've said, you know, this Jesus Christ, the more I see him, the more I love him. I can't live without him. I want him to be my Lord and my Savior. My prayer is before anything else happens in your life, you would just, before God, tell him, tell him that in prayer. But brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm, I'm just going to ask you this week, wear that label, wear the name Christian. Identify one place in your life. Easiest places are, are, are the relationships closest to us, in your family, in your home, with your children, with your spouse. And decide this week I am intentionally, overtly going to live for Christ in that situation. You know, you can identify it right now. It might be at work, might be somewhere else. but. Just say that I I am going to be intentionally Christian. I know that you are sort of on on the roll and on the momentum, but just stop and look at it and say, what would happen if Jesus Christ spoke to me directly right now? What does he want me to do? Because I want to have my life identified with his name. I want to be a Christian. I want to be a Christian. Just one time. I, I, I would say, you know, do it for your whole life. That would overwhelm you. We'll find one spot this week to be intentionally, overtly Christian, belonging to Jesus Christ, that the Father would be glorified in the name of his Son by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, how amazing you are. Just about the time we think you've done all that can be done, you do more. Just about the time we've got it in our understanding, you go deeper on us. Father, how I pray that right now your Holy Spirit would work in our lives and our hearts. Set before us a vision of your Son, Jesus Christ, and give us the courage of faith to live for him. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen.